This message is brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about our ministries, we encourage you to visit us online at tabernaclehickory.org. That's tabernaclehickory.org. You can find our sermons on a number of platforms, including Apple iTunes, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. We trust that God will use this message to speak to your heart. I'd like for you to take God's Word and go with me into the book of 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter number 17. We continue our study of the life of David, 1 Samuel chapter number 17. And this is a passage of Scripture that is well known to us for those of you who attended church as children, no doubt, in your Sunday school classes. And many, many Sundays throughout your life, you've heard sermons from this passage. It is uh, very well known and, and well used even in the secular world, but it is more than just a motivational story to explain to us how that we can overcome the obstacles in our lives. It is the story of God's plan of redemption and of his power and uh, how he used a young shepherd boy uh, to bring about his purposes and plan. Ultimately, that some 14 generations later, uh, the son of David would be born. That's the Lord Jesus Christ who would once and for all defeat that great giant Satan and overcome him and offer victory to all. And uh, so as we come to 1 Samuel chapter 17, we're going to read this morning verses 12 through 33. And so I invite you to read it along with me and uh, let's follow the text and then I'll share some thoughts with you from the Word of God. As we begin in verse number 12, the Bible said, Now David was the son of that Ephrathite of Bethlehem, Judah, whose name was Jesse, and he had eight sons, and the man went among men for an old man in the days of Saul. And the three eldest sons of Jesse went and followed Saul to the battle, and the names of his three sons that went to the battle were Eliab, the firstborn, and next unto him Abinadab, and the third Shammah. And David was the youngest, and the three eldest followed Saul. But David went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. And the Philistine drew near morning and evening and presented himself forty days. And Jesse said unto David his son, Take now for thy brethren an ephah of this parched corn and these ten loaves, and run to the camp of thy brethren, and carry these ten cheeses unto the captain of their thousand, and look how thy brethren fare, and take their pledge. Now Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah fighting with the Philistine. David rose up early in the morning and left the sheep with the keeper, and took and went as Jesse had commanded him, and he came to the trench as the host was going forth to the fight and shouted for the battle. For Israel and the Philistines had put the battle in array, army against army. And David left his carriage in the hand of the keeper of the carriage and ran into the army and came and saluted his brethren. And as he talked with them, behold, there came up the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, out of the armies of the Philistines and spake according to the same words. And David heard them. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were sore afraid. The men of Israel said, Have you seen this man that has come up? Surely to defy Israel is he come up. 
And it shall be that the man who killeth him, the king will enrich him with great riches and will give his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. And David spake to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine and taketh away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered, After this manner, so shall it be done to the man that killeth him. And Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spake unto the men, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, Why camest thou down hither? And with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thine heart, for thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. And David said, What have I now done? Is there not a cause? And he turned from him toward another and spake after the same manner. And the people answered him again after the former manner. And when the words were heard which David spake, they rehearsed them before Saul, and he sent for him. And Saul said, and, and David rather said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him. For thou art but a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. I want invite your attention to verse number 32. We hear the words of David as he, he tries to encourage Saul and the men of Israel. Let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. I want to speak to you this morning on the subject, a willing servant. A willing servant. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to come together into your presence around your word. Our minds are frail. Our thoughts are occupied with the things of this world. And Satan hinders us because he does not want us to receive your word, to hear it, to have our lives transformed by it, to have our souls saved as a result of it. He certainly does not want anyone in this room to surrender their lives to be a willing servant. So I pray that you would bind Satan, that you would open to our hearts and minds our understanding of your word, that we would submit our will to you and respond in obedience. We pray that you'd remove every distraction that may occupy our minds this day. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. A willing servant, that's what David became. In fact, when we began this study of his life, we began in Acts chapter number 13. In Acts 13, the Bible said for David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, fell on sleep and was laid into his fathers, and saw corruption. What a great summation of the life of David. Not that he was just a shepherd boy, not that he was just a soldier who defeated Goliath, not that he was simply the king of Israel, but that he was a servant of the Lord, that he served his own generation by the will of God. And here, David, in 1 Samuel 17, in verse number 32, assures Paul 
and all the soldiers who were there and all the people of Israel. And he says, I will go. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. He became a willing servant. You see, this was a dreadful situation. The Philistines had set the battle in array against the uh, children of Israel. And for 40 days, one man, this, July, this giant, uh, Goliath of Gath, uh, he, had, he had held the entire army of Israel at bay. Someone needed to do something. We live in such an hour where someone needs to do something. And God has given us opportunities in this hour to serve him. I'm grateful that in that time, in, in the time in which we're reading in 1 Samuel, that there was one who was willing to do something. His name, of course, is David, the shepherd boy. And that's all it took to save the nation from the oppression of the Philistines. I want to ask you a question a thought for us to consider this morning. Why is it that we do not see Goliaths falling today? We hear the roar of Goliath. We hear him on the news media, in the political arena, the entertainment industry, the educational institutions, uh, the, the, the causes or the so-called causes of justice that are crying in the streets are really and truly the voices of the advancing army of Satan advancing against the kingdom of God, trying to bring darkness and remove the light. And while Goliath is roaring and railing, the church remains powerless in this hour to defeat the champions of sin and death. Why is it that few are willing to go as David went and fight the giant? What made the difference in David's life? And what can make the difference in your life today? or in the lives of your children. I want to give you four thoughts this morning from this passage. I'll give them to you, and then we'll review each one. Number one, we're going to see David and the family situation. Then secondly, David and the fearful soldiers. Thirdly, David and the frustrated sibling. And then finally, David and the faithful shepherd. You say, Pastor, you went so fast I couldn't get them all. I'm going to give them to you again, all right? So let's go back to number one, David and the family situation. What happened in the home of David, what happened in his life, a part of his background is what shaped him to be this young man who had a heart after the heart of God. The Bible tells us in verse number 12 that David was the son of that Ephrathite of Bethlehem, Judah whose name was Jesse. Now, what do we know about Jesse? We know he was, the, uh, he was the son of Obed, and Obed was the son of Boaz. Uh, Boaz was the kinsman redeemer. Uh, he is the one who restored the inheritance of Naomi. And so David is a descendant of Boaz. He is a descendant of Ruth. And uh, we find this is a, a family that has experienced the grace and the mercy and the redemption of God. We understand that uh, David is one of eight boys and that he is the youngest. He is a part of the Ephrathite family, a clan of the tribe of Judah, and he lives in Bethlehem, Judah. As the, un as the youngest of eight boys and the keeper of his father's sheep, it was seen to us that he was not highly regarded by his own brothers. In fact, uh, when the prophet Samuel came to the sacrifice 
he was looking for the next king, and God directed him to the house of Jesse. And so David or uh, Samuel said to Jesse, bring all of your sons to the sacrifice. And of course, uh, after, uh, after Samuel had um, uh, looked at seven of those boys, he said, this is not the right one. Uh, the, the one that God wants is not here. Have you brought all your children to me? I asked for all of them. And they said, well, no, there's one and he's keeping the sheep, but surely you wouldn't want him. That was the thought. You see, he was overlooked by his own family, not highly regarded, but he was the one. When he came into the presence of the prophet, the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for this is he. You see, we look into his family situation, and maybe today you find yourself overlooked, undervalued. Let me tell you that God has a purpose and a plan for your life. Uh, in our text, we see that David was sent to the battle uh, after he had returned to take care of his father's sheep. As the youngest, that was his responsibility. He had been in the court of Saul earlier, but now he had returned to take care of the sheep. And the Bible tells us in verse 17, And Jesse said unto David his son, Take now for thy brethren an ephah of this parched corn and these ten loaves, and run to the camp to thy brethren, and carry these ten cheeses unto the captain of their thousand, and look how thy brethren fare, and take their pledge. Now Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah fighting with the Philistines. So David was sent to the battle, and he was sent there not to fight, which is what was in his heart. He was sent there to check on his brothers and deliver some food to them and to their captain. And David gladly obeyed his father's command, and upon his arrival, David uh, greeted his brothers and saluted them. The Bible tells us in verse number 20 that David rose up early in the morning and left the sheep with the keeper and took and went as Jesse had commanded him, and he came to the trench as the host was going forth to the fight and shouted for the battle. For Israel and the Philistines had put the battle in array, army against army, and David left his carriage in the hand of the keeper of the carriage and ran into the army and came and saluted his brethren. You see, the shepherd boy who was the man for whom God had sought, a man after his own heart, he was a young man who, though he was anointed privately by the Lord and by the prophet, he now comes on the scene publicly. What the Lord saw in David in secret was about to be revealed in open before all of Israel. David, during those days of, of obscurity, during those uh, days and nights taking care of and tending to the sheep, David had learned to develop a simple, trusting faith in God that was powerful and profound. And friend, I want to say this to you. All we need in this hour is a simple, trusting faith in God. And we develop that in the privacy of our own lives, in the secret places when no one is around to see us. When we learn to walk with God in our daily mundane lives, God builds in us a simple and trusting faith that he can use for his glory and for his power. And David was such a young man. 
May God help us to be vigilant in our daily walk with the Lord. Oh, we certainly want to be used. I trust you want to be used for God. But I want to tell you there are no shortcuts. God desires that we learn to seek him in, in secret and in the private uh, unknown realms of our lives that we would become more like him. This had certainly transpired in the life of David. We note that David was a product of his training. And let me just stop and say this to all the parents who are here today. God has commanded us that we train up our children in the way that they should go. God has commanded us to teach our children the truths and principles of the word of God. And when you train someone, you don't just simply teach them, you show them. You provide for them a pattern. You demonstrate to them how things are to be done as a Christian. And when you go through trials and difficulties, the way you respond is helping train your children. When they have a difficult situation themselves, the way that you respond and you address that situation, if you address it with spiritual maturity, if you address it in light of the truths of God's word, those are the tools of training that need to be employed for your children. You cannot expect your children to get a hold of what you haven't got a hold of. You can't expect it. And so may God help us to train up our children. And Jesse trained up his children to serve God and to know God. And we need to teach our children to love God. We need to teach our children to honor and obey their parents and to respect one another. And we should not be satisfied with anything less. Now, you and I both know, and as the father of five, I certainly know it, that all children are not the same. They do not arrive at the same conclusion at the same time. They don't all get a hold of the truth uh, to the same degree. So we must learn to be patient. We must learn to be loving, but we must be consistent, and we must be faithful to teach our children the truths of God's Word. And I want to tell you, friend, you can't do that if you... Uh, do not regard the house of God. If you are not going to regard the house of God and be faithful to the house of God, how is it that your children can ever develop a heart for God? I want to tell you the greatest thing that my parents ever did for me was make sure that I was in church. I'm so glad that they did so. You see, our kids are overexposed. They're suffering from overexposure, and it's not to church, by the way. Sometimes people say, well, I, I don't want to make my children go to church. Well, you let the world make them do all kinds of things. And they're overexposed to the entertainment of this world, uh, to the philosophies of this world. They're overexposed uh, to the world, the flesh, and the devil. They need to be exposed to the truth of God's word. We see David in the family situation. Secondly, we see David and the fearful soldiers. David and the fearful soldiers. In verse number 23, the Bible said, And as he talked with them, behold, there came up uh, the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, out of the armies of the Philistines, and spake according to the same words. The same thing he said last week when we reviewed it in verses 1 through 11. He's continuing to say every day for 40 days. The Bible says in verse 23, and David heard them. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were sore afraid. 
And the men of Israel said, Have ye seen this man that has come up? Surely to defy Israel is he come up. And it shall be that the man who killeth him, the king will enrich him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. And David spake to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine and taketh away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? The people answered him after this manner, saying, So shall it be done to the man that killeth him. You see, here we find the men who were appointed to defend the nation, the men who were selected to fight the battles, to, to hold the enemy at bay, to keep the people of Israel free and able to worship their God. We find these men uh, not engaged in the battle. By the way, the, the great sin of the church age today is apathy and indifference. While Goliath rages, the church shirks from its responsibility. And many men have shirked the responsibility that God has called them to hold in their homes and in the church. And so here we find the army. They're not going after uh, the enemy. They're not engaged in the fight. No, they're running from him. They're running from him. The Bible says in verse 24, and all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were sore afraid. Oh, listen, they were fearful. They were powerless. And there were two main reasons that they were fearful and that they were powerless. Number one, they leaned on the wrong things. They leaned on the wrong things. Now, what is it that the nation of Israel had requested of Samuel? They requested that God would give them a king, that they would have a leader who would, as they said, go out and fight our battles. They wanted a champion, a king who would deliver them. They, they did not like the uncomfortable situation of not having an organized army. They did not like an uncomfortable situation of having an unappointed ruler and depending upon God for both. They didn't like that. By the way, uh, we don't like to be uncomfortable either, do we? I want to tell you, may God help us. I don't ever want to get to a position where I'm comfortable. I want to be dependent upon God. And as long as our church is dependent upon God and not relying or leaning upon men or uh, the imaginations and the creations or the devices of humanity, as long as we're relying upon God, that's the most comfortable place we could ever be. But the people of Israel said, we don't like that. We want a king. So they got the king, the king that they wanted. And they had their army. They have their king. They have their army. They have their weapons. The battle's in array, and the enemy is across the valley. But guess what? They're powerless. They're powerless to fight. Sounds a lot like the church today, doesn't it? While the Goliaths are raging, and ridiculing and reproaching the name of Christ, the church is powerless. While sin is creeping in and destroying homes and lives, the church seemingly is powerless. 
Oh, may God help us not to lean on the wrong things. Zechariah said it this way in Zechariah 4 and verse number 6. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. What is it that we need? We need the spirit of God. You see, Saul had disobeyed God, and the spirit of God had departed from him, and the spirit of God was upon David, I want to tell you, friend, we need the power of the Holy Spirit of God. If we're going to face the enemy today, we need to learn to walk in the Spirit of God and reply, uh, 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 rather to rely on him. You see, they were powerless because they leaned on the wrong things. Secondly, they were powerless because they looked on the wrong things. They were not looking as God looked. They were looking as men looked. And and remember, that was the problem that Samuel had, right? Notice what they said in, uh, in verse number 25. And the men of Israel said, have ye seen this man that has come up? Now, we looked at the description of this man last week. Here's a man nearly 10 feet tall, an impressive warrior of a giant man. And they said, Have you seen him? Surely to defy Israel is he come up. He has come to stop us. He's come to defeat us. He's come to ridicule us. He's come to silence us. They were looking as men looked, but not as God looked. And that was the problem all along. Because when the people wanted a king, they were looking for a certain kind of king. And when Samuel went to anoint the sons of Jesse to be king, he saw Eliab, who was an impressive young man, who had great stature. And what did he say? He said in his heart, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. And God rebuked him and said, don't look with the eyes of man. God does not see as a man sees. God looks on the heart. And so they're looking at the wrong things. And you know what happens to us in this world? We begin to see uh, the, the, the machinery uh, 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 the, that Satan has employed against God's church today. And we look at it and we get intimidated by it. And we think that we're powerless to deal with it. But there was a young shepherd boy who had learned to walk with God. And he didn't even see the giant. He just heard his nasty voice and his vulgar words, and he was enraged and incensed, and he wanted to know who is the uncircumcised Philistine. You see, while the men who had looked were sore afraid, David was ready to battle. And I can't help but thinking when they said this, have you seen this man that has come up? Perhaps God chuckled in heaven and said, have you seen the man that I have sent? Well, had they seen him, had they realized it was the man God sent, they would have laughed because it was just a a teenage shepherd boy. No warrior, no one who could withstand the advances of the enemy. But God saw something in that boy that nobody else saw. What was it? He had a heart for God. He had a faith in God. And oh, may God touch this congregation and open our hearts to faith and reliance upon the Lord in this hour. 
we see a third thing. We see, we see David and the frustrated sibling. Look at verse 28. And Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spake unto the men. Now, David's come into the camp, and he's heard the voice of Goliath, and uh, he has been bold in his statements. He said, who in the world is this uncircumcised Philistine? That language never came out of the mouth of the men of Israel. No, they said, who in the world is that giant? We'll never be able to defeat him. Goliath said, he, uh, David said, he's an uncircumcised Philistine, and he is matched up against God. In no way does he stand a chance. I can't believe we're even entertaining this guy. Let's go down there and take him. And so the men of Israel were moved by his boldness, and they were all listening to him speak. In verse 28, his brother hears him speak. And when he hears him, the Bible says in verse 28, Eliab's anger was kindled against David, and he said, Why camest thou down hither, and with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thine heart, for thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. And David said, what have I now done? Is there not a cause? And he turned from him toward another and spake after the same manner. And the people answered him again after the former manner. You see, the worst form of criticism is that which originates from within the ranks. even worse when it comes from within the family. This is exactly what David received. Eliab, no doubt, was aggravated that he had not been anointed, although it would have been obvious to everyone who saw him that he was the only son of Jesse that should have been. It wasn't obvious to God. You see, God could see a flaw in that young man's heart, and that flaw reveals itself here by his attitude and by his words and his critical spirit. The Bible said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. You see, what's in there will surely come out at some point. He was aggravated. He was envious. He was agitated that David had arrived on the scene and had begun to demonstrate his powerful faith in God and his utter contempt for the giant. And so Eliab did the only thing he could do in his aggravation. Not the only thing he could do, but what the flesh normally does. He accused David of being haughty, lifted up with pride, lofty in his own eyes. But the opposite of that was true. It was Eliab who was haughty and lifted up. It was David who had been humble, and he had demonstrated that humble spirit through his willingness to perform the little tasks at home and on the battlefield while Saul and Eliab were engaged in the loftier task of fighting the war. You see, we find David taking care of the sheep when nobody else wanted to. We find David carrying the meal to the soldiers, taking the pledge from his brother's making sure that everything's okay. No doubt he wanted to himself be engaged in the battle, but he has, he has surrendered himself to do what the authorities in his life have asked him to do. 
So no task is too little, and therefore no task is too large. You see, for the man and for the woman who finds no task too little, you will also find no task too large. If we humble ourselves, the Bible said God will exalt us in due time. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 12 and verse number 3, For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. You see, we get distracted in the battle when we start looking at one another and become critical of one another, when we begin to think of ourselves and we begin to think more highly of ourselves than we ought to think. That's what caused the division in Corinth that we've looked at in the last few weeks. Pride. And may God help us to understand that we're facing a foe today who is raging, who desires to destroy the lives of lost souls, who, des who, who desires to destroy homes of Christian people, to, to lead children astray from the truth and to lead them into a life of bondage and sin and ruin and death. And I want to tell you, we have no time to fight and criticize one another. We need to recognize who our enemy is. And we need to remain humble. But let me just say this to you. It's a sad reality, but it is nonetheless true. And if you're going to serve the Lord, you need to accept it. You will be criticized. You'll be criticized by Christians. You'll be criticized by church members. You'll be criticized by those within your own family when you take a stand for the truth of God's word. Don't let the critics stop you. People who say, well, I was, I was hurt in church and I just haven't wanted to serve since then. Is that really all it took? I'm glad it didn't stop Jesus from going to the cross, aren't you? May God help us to endure the criticism. And I love the way David responded to it. He did not defend himself. The Bible said he turned from him and to another. He had no time to even entertain it. He could not lose sight of what was happening. You see, while Eliab was raging there on the top of the mountain, a greater foe was raging down in the valley, and that was Goliath. And so may God help us to learn as we deal sometimes with frustrated siblings. And then lastly, we see David and the faithful shepherd. David and the faithful shepherd. Remember, it was David who penned these words, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You see, David, we know as a shepherd, but David had a shepherd, and that shepherd was the Lord. And he recognized that. And when this great ugly giant came to fight uh, the men of Israel, the Bible tells us in verse number 26 that David asked the question, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? You see, he saw something that no other men in Israel had seen to that point, that Goliath had not simply come to fight them in the flesh, but Goliath had come to withstand against the Lord. 
David recognized that Goliath's defiant words were a direct offense toward God, and therefore he knew that the battle was the Lord's. In verse number 31, we read that when the words were heard which David spake, they, that's the men of Israel, rehearsed them before Saul, and he, Saul, sent for David. And David said to Saul, verse 32, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. Can you imagine the irony of that moment? Saul in his tent, surrounded by his generals, and in comes this 16, 17-year-old boy. And he says, Don't worry, guys. I'll go and fight him. And God will take care of this ugly monster. Can you imagine the thoughts that crossed their mind? Oh, boy, here we go. No, that's exactly what they needed. And that's all that God needed. And by the way, that's all he needs today. You know, he can get a hold of somebody on these first three rows. He can do that. He can get a hold of somebody in your household. He can get a hold of you. And just simply trusting God and believing God and obeying God and stepping out in faith for God can make a difference in the lives of multitudes. And so David said, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. Verse 33, And Saul said to David, Thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. By the way, if God's put it in your heart to do something for him, don't let anybody discourage you from doing it. And you know, oftentimes well-meaning people will discourage you. Don't allow yourself to be distracted by the criticism of others, and don't allow yourself to be sidetracked uh, by the uh, discouragement that others bring your way. I'm glad David was fixed on the purpose that God had called him to accomplish. In verses 34 and 37, David recounts the Lord's powerful and protecting hand upon him while he kept his father's sheep. It's an amazing story. It's amazing that this young shepherd so guarded and so cared for his father's sheep that he hazarded his own life to rescue them from the lion and the bear. Oh, that God would help us to be diligent and care about the things that he has committed to us, especially our own soul, to protect it, to guard it diligently, to, to guard our homes and to guard the lives of our children, to guard this church from doctrinal error or from division of any kind. May God help us to be vigilant as David was vigilant. And note how God used him. Look at it, if you would, in verse 34. And David said to Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. Now, if that had been you and I, we would have said, Sorry, little lamb, but not David. He did something that's unfathomable. He went after the lion, and he went after the bear. And notice what happens. 
I went out after him, verse 35, and smote him and delivered it, the lamb, out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. David said, Moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. David said, when I went against that lion and the bear, I didn't do it in my own strength. God protected me, and God gave me power to defeat that lion. I'll tell you, that lamb sure was happy, wasn't he? By the way, that lion had me in his clutches. Oh, he had me, ready to devour me. And Jesus came after me. And with one word, one stroke of his mighty hand, he pulled me out of the clutches and delivered me safely. David said, the Lord's done that for me. I need to do that for Israel. By the way, if he has given me the strength and power to defeat these horrible beasts, he'll give me the strength and power to defeat one more. And so he went by faith, and he faced that giant. He was committed to go and to fight. He was a willing servant, confident not in his ability, but in his God. So we see in this passage, David and his family situation, David and the fearful soldiers, David and the frustrated sibling. I told you I'd go over these again. And David and the faithful shepherd. Now, as we conclude, what do we think of? Well, first of all, I want to say that Jesus is ultimately the willing servant who went for us. Down into the valley to face that great dragon, Satan, and deliver us from sin and death. And all who would believe on him would share in his victory. I want to ask you a question this morning. Are you sharing in the victory that Christ won over sin and death? Have you confessed him as your Savior? Have you believed upon him? If you have not, I want you to know that he loves you and that he came to rescue you from the jaws of the lion. And he offers everlasting life to you if you will call on him. Are you willing to do that this morning? Let me ask you another question. How is it in your home? What kind of situation do you have in your family? Mom and dad, do you realize the potential of the purposes and power in God in the life of your child? Do you understand that God has called you to raise that child for his glory, that they are the heritage of the Lord, they are not simply yours? That You're not to live vicariously through them, but you're to allow the Lord to live in them. 
Are you leading your family? Are you leading your children? We live in the midst of a powerless church age. We have the men and the machinery to get the job done. But we stand powerless while Goliath shouts and screams, shaking his fists in the face of God and his church, bringing many into captivity and bondage. David demonstrates for us the power of God to defeat Satan. Do you know what it took? Just a little, simple, childlike faith to believe God. And that's all it took to overthrow the Philistine. May God help us to trust him. Don't allow the frustrated siblings, the critics, to distract you or dissuade you from your purposes. If you've given up because of the critics, you need to confess that sin today and say, Lord Jesus, I want back in the army. Determined to go in the power and strength of the faithful shepherd. If he won the victory to deliver your soul, will he not also faithfully protect you as you serve him? Will he not empower you to overcome? Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. May God help us to surrender as the willing servant. I close with this thought from verse 33. David Verse 32, said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. Verse 33, and Saul said to David, thou art not able to go against him, this Philistine. And then, of course, David recounts the story. And then we come to verse 37, after he tells the story of God's faithfulness. The very end of verse 37, and Saul said unto David, go and the Lord be with thee. Thank you for listening to this message from Tabernacle Baptist Church. We pray that God has used His Word to speak to your heart today. If you'd like to learn more about the ministries of Tabernacle Baptist Church, you can go to our website, tabernaclehickory.org. That is tabernaclehickory.org. There you'll find additional resources that we pray God will use to be a help to you. If the Lord should lead you to partner with us or make a donation online, you'll find a link provided on the website at tabernaclehickory.org. May God bless you and thank you for listening.